There's a story old that has often been told of how our Savior died as they nailed his hands. He cried, They don't understand as the blood. Float from his side. As he hung there on the tree, he prayed for you and prayed for me. There was no one his pain to.
worship our Saviour this morning. So why don't you jump on your feet? We're going to sing and worship together.
together this morning to come and to give thank You for the finished work of the cross, to thank You for Your sacrifice on that cross for us, great God. Thank You that our debt has been paid in full, that You have made a way for us to come into the presence of a holy God. And so Lord, we just wanna worship You and praise You and give You thanks this morning. Thank You for Your presence here with us. Move in each of our hearts, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' Name, Amen. Please be seated. I wanna welcome you to our special Good Friday service today. For those joining us online as well, a very special welcome to you. And uh, wherever you are on the journey, we're just glad that you could come and share in these special services. We have an Easter appeal we receive every Easter to give away to bless those in need in our community and in our world. And this year it's going towards two really great causes and uh, some needs that are in our community and globally as well. The first is to support the work of Crinity Arana. There's two different envelopes that are available as you came in and as you leave. The first is the work of Crinity Arana. They've been for 40 years, in fact, they're celebrating 40 years this year of helping young people in our community who are homeless, who need emergency accommodation, young people at risk, and they do an amazing job. We've had a long connection with Arana as well. And so you can give towards that this Easter. The second is going towards um, the, the needs in Papua New Guinea at the moment. We received an urgent request via Australian Baptist World Aid to help particularly three Baptist hospitals there that are on the brink of having to shut down if they don't get emergency medical uh, needs they need their medical equipment that they need just basic equipment that we take for granted here in Australia protective equipment for the doctors and the nurses but without it they're unable to treat the patients that are coming in as you know the situation in Papua New Guinea is very serious as COVID spreads right across that nation and so you can also give towards that using the PNG appeal envelope and all of those funds will go directly to support these two great causes and uh, what a blessing it is for us to be able to play a part in helping others in our world this Easter as well. If you're watching online at home, we're gonna share in communion later in the service. And I wanna invite you just to take a moment to grab some bread and some juice so that you're ready. We'd just be so glad to have you share with us wherever you're watching from today as well. But I wanna pray as we continue in our service now, ask God's help and blessing for our community, for our world, pray over these causes as well. So why don't we join our hearts together in prayer as we do that. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning so aware on this Good Friday of your incredible love toward us. Lord, you've left no question around the measure of your love toward us, towards this world. And so we pray this morning, we pray for our community. We ask your help, Lord, our community, our nation, Lord. We pray for your blessing and your help, Lord. And we wanna pray for the great needs of our world as well, Lord, particularly in this season of time in which we're in, would you come, draw near, have mercy, we pray, great God. And Lord, we wanna pray particularly for these two opportunities we have to demonstrate your love practically in our world. Lord, for the work of Corinthian, thank you for all they do to bless and help and uh, reveal your love to these young people, Lord, and for the work of these hospitals in Papua New Guinea, Lord. We pray you'll help that nation as well in great need at this time. Thank you for the part we can play in this. And now, Lord, as we continue in our service together, we pray we'll be so aware of your nearness to us, to us, Lord. You speaking to us, you revealing in a greater measure than ever before the depth, the great, amazing depths of your love towards us. And so we pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna stand together as we sing another song of worship. So why don't we do that? Let's stand together. We're gonna worship our great God, continue to thank Him for all that He's done for us. You join us at home as well. Let's worship together.
When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pontius Pilate, the governor, that he should be put to death. I knew the charges the chief priests leveled at Jesus were unjust. I knew they were just jealous of his popularity with the people. I also knew that he was no threat to Rome. It was obvious that his kingdom was not of this world. But why didn't he try to defend himself? Oh, I can still hear the crowds crying, crucify him, crucify him. Well, I did everything I could to set him free. I had him flogged in the hope that that would satisfy them. Made no difference. I even offered them the choice of setting Jesus free or a re- murdering revolutionary called Barabbas. But they chose the criminal and kept crying out Crucify him! Crucify him! The longer this so called trial went on, the more disturbed I grew. My wife, after a deeply troubling dream, warned me not to get caught up in judging this righteous man. And when I told him I had the power to set him free or to crucify him, he simply said that I had no power at all against him unless it had been given me from above. Still those hate-filled words echoed from the courtyard, crucify him, crucify him. But it's his words about truth that I can't get out of my mind. His exact words were, All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. But the crowd, I could not, the most disturbing thing of all was the claim that the chief priest said Jesus had made of himself, that he was the son of God. The Son of God. 
The cries, however, were relentless. Crucify Him, crucify Him. Then I heard those threatening words from the chief priests. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who declares themselves a king is a rebel against Caesar. Well, I knew what such a report would mean. So I took a bowl of water, washed my hands before the crowd and proclaimed that I was innocent of this man's blood. And then I handed him over to be crucified. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed.
let's bow in prayer. Jesus, we thank you as we come together today to remember and reflect on this incredible sacrifice that you made for us, giving your life for us. Lord, we do glorify you. We honour you. Lord, this incredible picture of mercy and grace poured out in no greater act of love than this. You gave your life, God, so that we might find life in you. Lord, the despair of death here is not the end. And we thank you today for life and freedom, forgiveness and love, God, that is ours in you. Oh, Lord, we glorify you and honour you again in Jesus' name. Amen. We come now to share in communion as part of our Good Friday service today. If you're at home, you might want to grab the bread and the juice as we share together. Here in the auditorium, if you want to grab that cup out that you received on your way in and prepare that. This is a love feast that Jesus shared with his disciples just before he went to the cross. And he instructed us as his followers to keep sharing in this meal together so that we would never forget, never forget the sacrifice that He has made for us. We think about love in our world, a symbol of love in our world. I'm sure most people would think of our love heart as a picture of that. But as followers of Jesus, we know that actually there is a far greater symbol of what love is, what real love is. And that symbol is the cross where Jesus gave His life for us, a picture of His self-giving, sacrificial love, unconditional love towards us. And the Bible explains it like this. It says, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the powerful message of the cross. No shadow of a doubt of God's great love for our world, God's great love for you and for me. On the night Jesus was betrayed, we read in Scripture that as He was meeting with His disciples, that He took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want to invite you to take the bread now and just to take it and to eat it and just to give thanks in your heart now for Jesus' sacrifice for you. And then we read that in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. I want to invite you to take the cup to drink, to give thanks for His forgiveness, for the forgiveness of sins found through His sacrifice for us. Let's drink together. Jesus we just want to pour out our thanks and gratitude to you this morning we are so moved Lord thank you for this meal Lord which you ordained thank you for this opportunity to give thanks to you on this very special Good Friday Lord thank you that it is a Good Friday because you have done it all for us great God and so we worship you we praise you with all our hearts great God we thank you for all that you have done for us Thank you for your body given. Thank you for your blood shed that we might know forgiveness of sins. And so we worship you now and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song as we give thanks, pour out our praise to Him. We sung it earlier, just the refrain of God, you're so good. We can't sit for this. Let's stand on our feet as we just sing this refrain. God, you're so good. Let's worship Him together, church. incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. It's life transforming. It was life transforming for the disciples who witnessed it. And it's still transforming lives today. And somebody who's experienced that recently in his own life is Joseph. And Joseph's going to come and share with us. Up until a couple of years ago, Joseph had a very successful career. And then a couple of years ago, as you're going to hear in his story, he experienced a heart attack and a stroke, which dramatically changed his life. 
But I would love it if uh, you could make Joseph feel really, really welcome. He was recently baptised here. Can you welcome him as he comes to share with us this morning? Joseph Bratton. I was born in Fiji and lived in a village. I grew up with my parents, my two sisters. My family was a Hindu family, and while my father worked very hard, we were a very poor family. I remember attending half of my school holidays without shoes as we were we weren't able to afford it. Although I grew up in a Hindu family, I didn't believe in Hindu gods. Even as a young boy, I thought a statue can, cannot talk. And I didn't believe, wanted to take part in worshiping and praying to these gods. However, every day I did, I did thank God for food that he, we had on our table. I moved here to Brisbane for work at 29 years of age. But my life dramatically changed in 2000 when my wife left me and I was left to raise my four months old daughter alone. These were very tough days as I tried to work and care for my daughter. As the years passed, things became harder and harder. I worked more to try and cover the increasing expenses. I wouldn't I would often not eat properly or have a full stomach. I attended counseling, but nothing really worked. And in 2017, began drinking to cope. It was a very rough time for me, and I was very low and sad. However, I never lost hope. And I also knew that my sister, Serena, who lives in America, and her church were praying for me. They have been praying for me for, 20, for the last 20 years. In August last year, I had a heart attack and was taken to Prince Charles Hospital. After an operation, I had a stroke. And in the recovery room, I was rushed to ICU. Later, the doctors and nurses told me that they thought I was gone. God, however, brought me back to life. It was a miracle. During my recovery in the hospital, my sister from America sent me some YouTube links to, to worship songs and she encouraged me to listen to. 
Waymaker became my favorite. And as I listened to these songs, God's spirit was working in my heart. One day in tears, I said to Jesus, if I have done anything wrong, please take my sin away. Forgive me. I am so thankful for Jesus for dying for me and taking my sin. I am so thankful that he has risen again. I haven't, I haven't just been physical, given physical life, but through Jesus, he has given me eternal life in him. At these moments of encountering God, God, everything has been difficult. And I've seen God at work. I am now never alone. He goes before me and he's behind me. In, my, in one of my doctor's appointments, my GP encouraged me to come here to Bridgman Baptist Community Church. Church. The first service I attended was on a Sunday morning service late last year and the first song I heard was the Waymaker. Amen, Lord. You're amazing. Again, God brought me to tears. I turned to my sister, Sadi, and said, this is the chest for me. Amen, Lord. At this time, thank you, th things were still challenging with my health. And I also had to find a place to live after being, being in the hospital. After the service, I asked for prayer over my accommodation. God wonderfully answered my prayer and has made a way for me to stay in a one-bedroom unit that is specially designed for those in wheelchair. Again, he made a way. It's, it's just minutes from being Star's hospital. I was told that generally I would have to wait 18 months for this type of accommodation. Again, God had made a way for me, Lord Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, despite having many physical challenges, everything is different. I feel so light and God keeps providing for me. While I often spend hours alone at home, I'm never alone. Amen. On my phone, I now watch our church's YouTube channels. I listen to the worship songs and the messages so much that I've used up all my data and had to go get another pen. Amen. I love worshiping my God. He is my everything. He is my salvation. So I pray for my Lord and I say thank you for my Father for providing me everything what he has given me today. Lord, you have set me on this chair today, Lord Father. You go before me, Lord Jesus. 
as you go before me, Father, as one day, Lord Father, as my, as your plan, you say, Lord Father, one day, your plans are so perfect, Lord Jesus. You will make me stand in this church one day, Lord Father, and make me work again, so I can go and do those jobs I was doing as normal. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me on the cross, Lord Jesus, Father, for all my sins, Lord Father. And Lord Father, I give you glory, Lord Jesus. You are amazing God, Lord Father. I praise you, Lord Jesus, in the Father, name in the Holy Spirit, Lord Father. Thank you for giving me salvation. In the man, amen, Lord Father. Amen. Wow. How powerful is that? Isn't that incredible, church? I think we can do more than that. Come on, let's really thank Joseph for sharing with us. That's amazing. Thank you, brother, so much. What a prayer. We're blessed this morning to have Pastor David coming to share God's Word with us as well. And uh, he's going to share some more around this incredible message that transforms lives. So um, can we welcome Dave as he comes to share with us now as well? It'll be great. Thank you so much. Yeah, what a powerful story. Uh, Joseph's story, quite amazing. And, and hearing about the life transformation that's taken place uh, in his life. But you know, Joseph's story is only one of many stories uh, that takes place. Lives being transformed, radically changed uh, by the power of God, which is quite remarkable. Uh, let me quickly pray and then uh, we're gonna hear from God's Word. Father, thank you for Joseph's story. Thank you for what you've done in and through his life. And uh, Lord, we thank you for what we've sung about and celebrated this morning. Uh, a great King, a Saviour, dying on a cross so that we could experience life and life to the full. And right now in this moment, there's some here and watching online that just need to hear from you, uh, to be reminded of your goodness, your greatness. And maybe some that are hearing it for the very first time. And this morning is an opportunity for some to respond to you and to know uh, the life transformation in you, great God. So speak to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I can remember quite a few years ago now, I distinctly remember where I was and I was sitting with a friend of mine and we'd been friends for quite a few years and uh, we'd been friends since grade one actually, all through primary school years and our high school years. Uh, but I was about 18 years old at the time and I had just started to explore this concept of faith and Christianity. I hadn't gone to church or you know, been raised in church or anything like that. And I just started attending church simply because he continued to ring me every Sunday afternoon and say, come to church, come to church, come to church. And eventually I got sick of it after a few months and I agreed to. And we'd just been to what I think was probably my third service I'd ever attended. And afterwards we had finished that service and this was all radically new. So I'm on this journey discovering what this all means for my life. And we had finished the service and we went down to uh, Aspley McDonald's and we're sitting there and I can still remember exactly where we were sitting in that restaurant and we'd ordered a meal and we were eating dinner. And he was sitting opposite me and there were a few other friends that were with us at the time. And I don't know why, but out of the blue, I kind of made this statement or maybe we we're talking about it a little bit, but I made this statement to my friend. And I said to him, I said, if you are going to heaven, then I'm gonna romp it in. Like, I'm seriously gonna make it in, no worries at all. And he said this to me, he said, well, why do you say that? 
and I didn't explain to what I'm about to just explain to you, but, but I just said, well, well no, I, I just know if you believe you're going to heaven, then I am definitely making it to heaven. Like absolutely no worries at all. And I didn't explain this to him because he continued to keep asking me. He said, but why do you say that? Like, why do you say that? And, and, and what happened was this, I had this assumption. It was quite a sort of a proud, uh, judgmental comment really. But I had this assumption, which I think not just me alone, many of us uh, throughout Australia, throughout this nation in our culture today, and not even that, even globally, we have this assumption that if uh, that good people go to heaven. And so I'm sitting there saying, well, mate, if you're making it, I'm definitely making it. Because here's the thing. I didn't realise this uh, through our childhood years, through our primary school years and high school years, but he grew up in a Christian home. He grew up going to church. He grew up exposed to what I thought was this idea and this concept of, of living a good life. But I didn't grow up with that. And so I kind of naively was kind of, I was kind of out of it a little bit. You know, I wasn't accountable to it so much, you know. And so I just thought, but, but, but he's, he's kind of grown up with this and, and had to kind of live this good life. But I knew up to some of the mischief that we got up to as teenagers. And, he, and yet he was meant to live this good life. And he, he claimed that he was going to heaven. And so I knew we'd got up to some mischief in our high school years. And I thought, well, if you're going and you knew that you had to be good, I, I didn't really know that. So I'm kind of out of it. So I get, I get off the hook. If you're going to heaven, then I must be going to heaven. Why? Because I, I thought I was simply, honestly, I, I thought I was better than him. Really, that's what it comes down to. I thought I was better than he was. And if he goes to heaven, then I've, I've got to make it into heaven. And I understand why we have this assumption. I understand why even watching online, maybe you're like, yeah, well, that's true, isn't it? Like good people go to heaven. If there's a good God, then that's how you get in. And I understand why we have this assumption because this is the world in which we live, isn't it? Our culture and society, we have this, this kind of perspective that, that when you do something right or when you do something good, then you receive uh, you know, a reward because of it. We just interviewed last week uh, Lakeisha Patterson, who just recently at the last Olympics won gold uh, at the Paralympics. And, and this is kind of how it plays out in sport. If you swim well, if you do well, you get rewarded for it. You get a gold medal. Uh, in maybe you discipline your children like this, or as a child, you were disciplined like this. If you do the right thing, then you'll get a reward. But if you don't and you do the wrong thing, then there are consequences because of that. And so we're kind of raised with this. This is how we live. This is how society operates. We live in this realm. You do well and you get rewarded. If you do wrong, there are consequences because of it. And so we take this over into faith stuff as well. We take this over into religion. Then that means surely good people get to go to heaven. So I'm sitting there at Macca's and I'm saying to my friend, this is, this is my assumption around it. Well, if you're going, then I'm definitely going because I honestly feel like I've been better than you. And I think I'm gonna romp it in. And he kept saying, but why do you say that? Why do you say that? He wanted to know my reasoning behind it. Now, I've just told you, and I didn't say that at the time, but that was my reasoning. That was my assumption. Good people get to go to heaven. It seemed to make sense. But actually, if you pull apart a little bit, you realise actually it's very complicated. If you have that theory or that understanding or that perspective of that's how it is, it's actually very complicated. You see, uh, if good people go to heaven, I mean, I've never heard throughout history anybody talk about, well, this is the marker point. Like this is literally the standard. These are the steps that you need to take. You see, we wanna be in control of our lives. 
That's why lockdown's so tough, isn't it? Because it's a, it's a realisation, oh, hang on, I'm not in control. Instantly, our lives can turn around just like that. But we wanna be in control. And so as part of that, we think, well, show me the steps, show me the standards, and I'll just work hard and achieve that. And then I'll inherit eternal life. Then I'll, I'll know, okay, then I get to go to heaven. But no one throughout history has, has made a claim uh, that this is exactly what you need to do. And even if someone did, maybe people have, but let's be honest, none of us can really ever agree, even in this room alone, none of us could agree what truly is good. Because some of you would say, oh, well, this is good. And others would, just, would say, oh, no, that's not, that's not good. I don't think any of us could truly agree that here's the standard, here's the marker point. And so it becomes complicated. It's actually not that simple that good people go to heaven because what's the marker? What do you need to do? What do I need to do? We, we just don't know. Now, maybe some of you are saying, oh, but doesn't the Bible give some indication on that? Well, let's go to the Bible for a moment. If you look at the Bible, the Bible seems to indicate that actually God isn't just good. God is perfect. And, and heaven isn't just a good place. Heaven is perfect. And so, hang on, now the standards change, not just from good, it's like, I've got to be like perfect, like perfect. I mean, I mean, come on, like none of us are perfect. Like I'm, there's no way any of us could literally stand and say, well, I'm perfect. None, all of us know we're not perfect. And yet the Bible indicates that there's a perfect God and a perfect heaven. Now, if, if the standard is perfection, there's no way God could let anyone less than perfection into heaven because it wouldn't be perfect anymore. So the Bible indicates there's a perfect God and that heaven is completely perfect. Well, we can't reach that standard, can we? Well, what about the commandments in the Bible? Surely the Bible gives some commandments and some laws. Well, if we look there, then there are so many laws in the Bible that literally nobody could truly ever fulfill the law. Or the commandments, Jesus, you know, the Bible indicates 10 different commandments to follow. But again, I mean, you know, do not steal. Have you ever stolen anything, like taken anything? Even something small, okay, well, I've, I've taken something small, you know, when I was a kid or, you know, I've stolen something off someone, it wasn't that big a deal. Well, well, we've just broken the commandment. I mean, I mean, there's all these commandments. None of us could truly fulfill all these commandments. So all of a sudden what we thought, well, surely, hang on, just good people go to heaven. All of a sudden, once you break it down, it's actually really hard to know how good is good enough and what is the standard. It, it seems like it's hard to attain. Furthermore, actually, again, in the Bible, there's a similar story where this guy wants to know exactly what we want to know. Like, what's the marker point? What's the standard? How do we make it in? And this guy comes to Jesus. He's actually a very wealthy person. He comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, how do I inherit eternal life? The very question that we ask this very good Friday morning, how do we know? How do we inherit eternal life? And Jesus says this, it's quite interesting. Now, Jesus claims to be the son of God. And he says, why do you call me good? No one is good. No one. So even Jesus is making this claim that not one single person is good. And he comes to him and he says, well, how do I inter inherit eternal life? And Jesus in this moment tries to point this person in a direction in the very same way he's trying to show us and point us in the very same direction. He says, well, in other words, he basically says, well, you know the commandments, keep all the commandments. And, and, and surely this person would say, oh, are you kidding me? The commandments, there's no way I could fully keep them my entire life. And yet out of this proudness of his own heart, he says, the commandments, I've kept all of them since I was young. No worries, Jesus, I've got that down packed. And Jesus must've thought, oh no. Okay, okay, let me, let me, let me say this then. 
He, he knew that he was a wealthy person. He says this, okay, well, uh, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And how does he respond? Well, it says that he responds in a downcast manner. He walks away downcast. He walks away sad. Why? Because he can't do it. You see, Jesus is trying to bring this, uh, bring this man to a place where he realises it doesn't matter how good you are or how perfect you think you can be, you'll never be perfect enough. You'll never be good enough. He comes to Jesus, says, just tell me the things I need to do and I'll achieve it. And he says, he, he, he says this man, you can't. In the same way, we have this theory or this assumption sometimes that it's good people that go to heaven, but honestly, we've just broken it down and we realise well, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be good enough to be able to, I don't understand even where the marker point is. And, and, and if, the, if, if the Bible claims that, that God is perfect and heaven is perfect, then I'm always gonna fall short of that. And so it seems like, well, where, where do we stand in all of this? Like, where's the hope in all of this? Why would they call Good Friday, Good Friday if there's no hope and we, we can't reach a standard? Well, it seems unfair. It seems unfair, doesn't it? And so there I am sitting with my friend at McDonald's and I'm saying, if you go to heaven, I'm definitely making it in. And he's saying to me, but why do you say that? And I just thought, because I'm better than him. And yet what we discover is we're all on the same playing field. Doesn't matter how much better you think you are than the next person, you're still, we're still not good enough. And to which we go, but that's not fair. Like that doesn't make sense. God, like how am I ever gonna make it? That isn't fair. Until you read a piece of scripture, even just earlier this week, I was reading this piece of scripture and honestly, it brought tears to my eyes. Amazing piece of scripture found in Romans 5, 8. And it says this, that God demonstrates His own love in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God demonstrates His own love in this, that while we were still sinners, in other words, if the, if the standard is perfection and we fall short of perfection, then what we call that in the Christian world or, or the faith world is, is we've sinned, we've fallen short. And if we've sinned, then we're a sinner. That God demonstrates His own love in this, that while we were still sinners, none of us escaped that. We're all sinners, we're all, we're all wound up in it. Why? Because we fall short of perfection. That He demonstrates His love in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. This is extraordinary love. And as I read that, tears began to well up in my eyes, knowing how frail, knowing how much I can't attain perfection. I can't reach the standard. I just can't do it and neither can you. And yet the Bible says this, that God demonstrates His love in this. It's extraordinary love. You see, religion is man chasing after God. If I can only become better, if I can only be good, if I can only reach a standard of perfection, then maybe God will accept me. But what we discover is that God demonstrates His love in this. It's God pursuing man. It's nothing of your doing. It's God saying, I long to be in relationship with you. I desire you, I love you. And out of mercy and grace, He shows His love in this extraordinary manner, dying on a cross. You see, I said to you earlier that in this world, in society in which we live, you get rewarded when you do good things, but there are consequences when you do the wrong thing. And the consequence that we face as sinners, we're all engulfed in that. The consequence of that 
is death. That's the reality. And death means a separation in relationship, a separation uh, between you and another person, a separation between us and God and a separation from this earth. The wages of sin is death. And so that's what we deserve. And yet what we discover is this is why it's such good news. Good Friday is so powerful because instead of us dying on the cross, instead of us uh, facing the penalty of sin, instead of us uh, being, being uh, encountering the wages of sin, the consequences of sin, instead of us encountering death, God out of His mercy, God out of His grace sends His Son to die on the cross in our place. So what that means is that we don't need to try and be better. We don't need to try and attain perfection. All we do is we come to God and say, oh God, I need your forgiveness. Why? Because I know that I've fallen short of perfection. I need you to forgive me for that. And I want to, you to be Lord and Saviour of my life. It's an incredible thing. It's why these words are so powerful that God demonstrates His own love for this in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, you might think, well, where is God in all of this? Where, where is God in the midst of the pain, the suffering in the world? Well, God is so intimate. God longs to be in such a relationship with you. God, through His Son, is on the cross dying for mine and your sin. That's where He is. And so we know that in life, this is why forgiveness is so important. This is why we need to come to God and ask, God, forgive me for falling short. I need you in my life. Because we know that in any relationship in this, in this world, when, there's, when then someone has hurt you in some way, that there's a breakdown in that relationship and there's a void that takes place. And it only isn't until we, those two people come together and they talk it out and they ask for forgiveness and forgiveness takes place, that reconciliation can take place in that moment. And in the same way, this is what has happened between us and God, that, that, that there's been a void in a relationship with God. And because of that, we need to come to God and say, God, forgive me. God, I've fallen short of perfection. I can't reach the standard. I need you to forgive me. And I'm sorry for sinning against you. I need you. And you know what the answer is every single time to that? He says, yes, I'll forgive you. Yes, I'll forgive you. So don't believe this lie. Don't believe this assumption that you need to become better, that you need to be good, or furthermore, that you need to reach a state of perfection because you just won't. You won't get there. But you know what? And, and you know, we, we, we put our fists together and say, that's unfair, that's not fair. Like I, I want a standard to which I can reach. But you know what? Praise God, praise God that God wasn't fair because fair would mean that I should be hung on a cross for the wages of my sin. And yet, and yet God out of mercy and grace is on the cross instead of me. That's why Good Friday is such good news. Fair would mean that God is on the cross. And yet what we discover is that God wasn't fair, but He was merciful. He was gracious. He was loving. And He offers forgiveness to you and to me. And so this morning, don't try and become better. Don't try and fix your life up. Come before a holy and righteous God, a loving God that loves you so much, that longs to be in relationship with you and say, God, I'm sorry, I need you. I want you to be Lord and Saviour of my life. Father, we thank you for your word. It changes everything for us. 
Joseph discovered this truth. I've discovered this truth and it's life changing. There's some here this morning that literally had that assumption, the same assumption that I had, that good people go to heaven. It just isn't true. But what we discover is, according to your word, great God, is not good people go to heaven, but forgiven people. And right now in this moment, someone needs to come to you and respond. Whether it's online, listening via a podcast maybe, or here in this room, great God, there's someone that needs to say, oh my goodness, I need your forgiveness, God. I'm sorry, I need you in my life. If that's you in this moment, I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. You can pray in your heart and in your mind. Dear God, I need you. I'm sorry for falling short of perfection, but thank you for dying in my place. I want you to be Lord and Saviour of my life. Fill me with your Spirit now. I surrender to you. Father, I thank you for those that have prayed that prayer. A simple prayer, but a prayer that changes everything as we put our faith and trust in what You've done for us. This is the very reason of Good Friday. This is why we can stand and celebrate that You stood in our place and then three days later, rising again, overcoming death. We thank You for that great God. We love You and we worship You and we pray all these things in Jesus' Name, Amen. Thanks David so much for sharing with us this morning. If you sense God speaking to you, if you prayed that prayer that David just let us in now, we want to help you on your journey. It's the most important decision, the best decision you can ever make in this life. If you're watching online, you can click on Respond to Jesus and we'd love to encourage you, help you on your journey. If you're here this morning as you leave, we have these Bible gift packs and they're free for you to take. If you responded, you're welcome to take it. There's a Bible in there, some information to help you on your journey as well. And we'd love just to give this to you. I want to mention as well the Alpha course. It's a great course we run here at the church. Millions of people around the world have done this course and found it so helpful in understanding more about this message, the message of Good Friday, the message of Easter, all that Jesus has done for us and the relationship we can have with our Heavenly Father. So I want to encourage you to check those details out as well. But we're going to close our service together now by singing a song that just declares that He has come, that through the cross, Jesus has overcome darkness and the kingdom of light is moving in great power. So why don't we stand together? Let's jump on our feet. Let's not hold back this morning as we worship together. Give thanks for all that He has done for us on the cross. Let's do that.
Easter Sunday as we celebrate. We had a touch of it there. We celebrate the good news that Jesus is alive. He's alive, church. He's here with us today. So come join with us on Easter Sunday, either via the live stream or here in person, 8 a.m., 10 a.m. 
6 p.m. baptism service is going to be an amazing day. But I want to say thank you so much for sharing with us today. I pray that you've been blessed. I want to ask for God's blessing on each one now. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for forgiveness, salvation found in you, Jesus. And we declare that yours, Lord Jesus, is the name above every every name. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords, the risen and exalted one. And so we worship you and I pray your blessing on each one now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks so much for sharing with us. Don't forget our Easter appeal as well. You can give towards that as you're leaving uh, or via the uh, website as well online. God bless. Thanks so much. so glad that you could join us online today for our Good Friday services. No matter where you are, whether you're here in Brisbane or somewhere else, it's been great having you join with us. And I just want to encourage you, uh, maybe you've uh, stumbled across us today, you don't normally uh, head along to a, a church service. I just want to say that you would be so welcome to join with us, particularly on Sundays we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and you can head to our website uh, to book in for those services The other thing is maybe you're in a a place other than Brisbane. We would love to be able to connect you with a church in the area that you're in. If you'd like some more information or help with that, you can feel free to email through to hello at bridgman.org.au. Please also connect with us as well if you'd like support in your journey of following Jesus Christ. But we pray that today, as we've reflected on the goodness of our God, that you have seen something of the glory of who our Saviour Jesus Christ is. So please be blessed as you celebrate the rest of this weekend. God bless you.